Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something... Other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Welcome Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Oh, seven of the podcast. This week, the Air Force Podcast. It is Monday, July 5th, 2021, people. I hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. I hope all of you were responsible. I hope we didn't have any Jason Pierre-Paul incidents. I hope nobody had anything where they had to go to the hospital. But fun weekend, awesome weekend. I hope everybody enjoyed it. It was so great to see the world get back to normal this past weekend as families got together, friends got together, barbecues, fireworks, all that great stuff. Hope you had a great 4th of July weekend. And let me tell you this, we got ourselves a loaded episode of the Aratora Sports Podcast as Name, image, likeness is officially here. Last episode, we kind of previewed it, what we thought it could look like, the single biggest questions. Now we have some answers. And so I want to talk about name, image, likeness, what we learned in the last week, what we still have yet to learn, how much will it impact, will it impact anything at all. Name, image, likeness is here. From there, huge mega transfer news as Kofi Coburn, second team All-American at Illinois, is officially in the transfer portal. I would argue he's the best player to enter the portal since the portal became a thing about five, six years ago. Kofi Coburn in the portal. If he pulls out of the NBA draft, he will be a mega name to watch. And yes, I do believe that Kentucky is the favorite to get him. Finally, we'll wrap on a couple of other NIL topics from the world of college football, Reggie Bush asking for his Heisman back. Have some thoughts on that. And Dabo Sweeney with some quotes from a few years ago that I bet he regrets now. I should mention, by the way, loaded week this week. I got today's episode, and then, of course, Thursday I will have reaction after the NBA draft deadline passes. Thursday morning, Wednesday at midnight, July 7th is the last time that a player, if a player wants to play college basketball next year, they have to pull their names out of the NBA draft by that point. So loaded show on Thursday. I'll give you my updated post uh, NBA draft deadline top 25. I should mention as well, no shows next week as I will be on vacation uh, and then we'll gear up for football when I come back. But two great shows this week, no shows next week. Let's get into today's show, however, and the topic of the day, the topic of the month, maybe the topic of the last couple years in college athletics as amateurism. It has officially gone the way of the dodo bird and it is dead. And it is really interesting because as I led last show and I talked about last show, 
It's funny, in sports we use the term historic all the time. We use terms like landscape changing, uh, game changing, whatever, and most of them really aren't, right? Like, like historic stuff happens every day in sports. Oh my God, that guy hit two home runs with two different bats. It's crazy. And it's like a week later, nobody even remembers. Everyone will remember July 1st, 2021 as the day college athletics really did change forever. And it truly was a historic day as for the first time, athletes could benefit off of their name image likeness, which essentially means that they can take endorsement deals. And it was never available before in college athletics. It was available at midnight Eastern on July 1st. And college athletics, as we know it, has fundamentally changed forever. Last episode, if you listened, you know that I kind of went through a bunch of different questions leading into name image likeness. How much money are we talking about? How many national deals are we going to get? How big are the biggest athletes and the biggest brands? All sorts of stuff. Today, we start to have some answers, and so what I want to do is spend the next, I don't know, 10 minutes talking about some instant reactions or some reactions from the first week of the name image likeness here. The first one, this is not the end of college sports as we know it, and if you're a longtime listener to this show, you know that 18 months or so ago when these laws were first starting to go into place, I really had some major questions on what the future of college athletics was going to look like and if this was really what was best for college athletics in general. I was one of those guys. Is college sports going to be changed forever? Is it awful? Is it terrible? Is this the right thing to do? And as time has gone on, my opinion has evolved. Say what you want about me. You can criticize me for a lot of things. But as time goes on, if the information changes, I am willing to change my opinion or reevaluate. And Thursday was not the end of college sports as we knew it. It was actually a little bit less chaotic than I thought. Now, I think part of that had to do with the fact that the NCAA basically gave no oversight and nobody knew how far they could push things. But really, for the most part, it was kind of what we talked about on last episode. It was a lot of athletes in their hometowns, in their home states, you know, working with local companies, um, you know, on local products. Uh, Derek Stingley, the cornerback from LSU, I saw he signed with a, a, a sports bar chain in Louisiana. Um, you know, Trey McGowan's and Bryce McGowan's, the, the two, two guards on the Nebraska basketball team that are brothers. They have a podcast that's sponsored by a local sports bar. You go on and on down the list, but it wasn't this day on July 1st, 2021, where millions of dollars flooded directly to student athletes, and now we got a quarterback walking around making $5 million a year, and everybody else is making nothing. And so could it get that way someday? Yes, and I'm going to talk about that momentarily. But in the meantime, Right now, it really isn't that big of a deal. Like I said, De'Ara King, quarterback at Miami, a couple local uh, spots. Dante Allen, the guard from Kentucky, has his own apparel line. Uh, De'Ara King also has his own apparel line. A couple other guys have T-shirts with their names put on it, uh, you know, hoodies, whatever. But for the most part, it is small deals. It's extra coin. It's extra money in your pocket. This is not the professional professionalization of college sports as we know it. Again, could it get there one day? Yes, but as of right now, I thought it was actually pretty tame. Second big takeaway, I don't think I realized how overdue this was until it actually happened. And you guys know me. You've listened to this podcast before. I'm not Mr. Crush the NCAA for everything. But when I saw the fact that, for example, college athletes couldn't be on Cameo until July 1st, that felt a little bit ridiculous to me. And for people who don't know what Cameo is, essentially it is an app where you can sign up and get personalized messages from uh, you know, everyone from super famous people like Floyd Mayweather to not famous people at all like myself. I happen to be on Cameo. By the way, if you like this podcast, you want a personalized message for your brother, son, mother, daughter, whatever, hit me up on Cameo at Aaron underscore Torres. 
But the idea that college athletes couldn't be on Cameo up until a week ago when you think about it, it's kind of absurd, right? Uh, you know, whether you're the Oklahoma quarterback, the Ohio State running back, a Kentucky basketball player, you have tens of thousands of people that come to the arena, come to the stadium to watch you play night in and night out. A guy like Davion Mintz at Kentucky, who was their leading scorer, wasn't really an NBA draft prospect. He decides to come back to college last week and immediately has the opportunity to make a couple hundred bucks in pocket change by signing up for these cameo videos. And so he charges $25, $35, whatever and he wishes your son or daughter a happy birthday. He wishes your husband or wife a happy anniversary. All of a sudden, he's got two or three extra hundred bucks in his pocket. It makes it easier for him to come back to college. It makes it easier for him to, you know, not have to worry about, uh, you know, scraping together nickels from between the couch cushions. And I don't think I realized how, why, you know, something as simple as that we should have allowed years ago. The, the, the story of the Central Florida kicker that had his own YouTube channel, the idea that you can't have your own YouTube channel, uh, it seems pretty ridiculous to me. Same with capitalizing or benefiting off the social media following that you created. Again, I don't think I realized until last Thursday, July 1st, how silly it was that these rules were in place. Third thing, kind of goes back to what I said a minute ago about we don't have tens of millions of dollars flooding into college athletics just yet, if, if it will ever happen. And one of the biggest questions that I had last week was, how much value does even a high-profile college athlete have? Um, you know, because you look at somebody like DJ Uwe Laganlele, the quarterback at Clemson, and we all kind of remember he went to Notre Dame and had him competitive, and they almost beat Notre Dame when Trevor Lawrence went down with COVID. But ultimately... DJ Wilaganlele, in the grand scheme of, of, of athletics, I don't know how famous that guy is, right? So if he is in a commercial and he's not wearing a Clemson jersey and he really hasn't been on national TV all that much, how much value does that guy really have? Same with Bryce Young, the quarterback at Alabama. The quarter Being the quarterback of Alabama is a huge role and a huge responsibility, but we don't know what that guy looks like. He wears a helmet. He hasn't played at all so far in his Alabama career. We know nothing about that guy. And so I wondered how big were the deals? Well, how big of a deal were the, the marquee athletes going to get? And as it turns out, I was kind of right on last episode and many of you were right if you said not that much. I, I really did some browsing before I, I recorded this episode, and outside of, as I told you a few weeks ago, or a few episodes ago, these super marquee female athletes, nobody really signed like any earth-shattering kind of deals, right? Um, you know, I told you about Olivia Dunn, the, the, the LSU gymnast with over a million Instagram followers, three plus million on TikTok, whatever it is. She apparently is getting ready to sign some major, major, major endorsement deals. The two Fresno State women's basketball players are getting ready to sign some major endorsement deals and have. They are, as best I can tell, the only one with a real national campaign as they have signed up to promote Boost Mobile as well as some other kind of, endor uh, some other kind of a, what do you call it, a nutrition supplement or something like that. But also, so who can blame those companies for reaching out to those athletes when they have millions of people who follow them? Most college athletes, most even star athletes have tens of thousands, maybe even a couple hundred thousand, but you're not talking about the reach of those female athletes. Outside of the LSU gymnast, the two Fresno State basketball players, the only thing that I saw that's anywhere close to uh, you know, a, a national marquee uh, signing 
with Spencer Rattler, the quarterback at Oklahoma, who did sign with Raising Canes, and he promoted it a little bit on his Instagram account, but it didn't seem as though it was like a big national roll it out with Spencer Rattler. It was kind of like, hey, I got some, uh, you know, chicken wings and, uh, you know, fries in front of me. You should go there and check it out because this place is awesome. So it has not been the big national companies. They are not yet in on college athletics. Doesn't mean that, you know, when the next Trevor Lawrence, when the next Johnny Manziel, when the next Tim Tebow comes around, they won't be. But so far, we have not seen that. What I will find interesting, however, is where it evolves to, and I'll tell you why. It's been a really interesting couple days because when this first happened, one thing that I talked about on last show was that really um, a couple things is that one, the NCAA, because they were so afraid of getting sued, they basically backed off and said, hey, we're not getting involved with anything. We're not telling you, we're not, we're going to leave it up to every individual school to make their own policies and their own decisions because if we put in national oversight without federal approval, we're going to get our butts sued off in court. So the NCAA kind of punted it to the schools and the first day or two, I think the schools really took it slow. Nobody wanted to push too aggressively and, and do something that could jeopardize their team, their school school, their players, their whatever. But over the last couple days, I did see some interesting things in terms of marquee athletes signing with agents and, and marquee agents. So DJ Uilaganlele, the quarterback at Clemson, signed with Gary V's agency. Gary V is like the big social media influencer. You probably have seen his crazy videos, whatever. He has a sports agency. Bryce Young, the quarterback at Alabama, signed with CAA. And so I will tell you this. If CAA did not believe that there was some value in having Bryce Young under their wing, uh, they would not have signed him. So I am curious where this goes over the next six to eight months, if not a year, where if Bryce Young does have uh, you know, a, a six-touchdown game against Florida or against LSU, is he the next in the next couple weeks in some kind of national ad or national commercial? It remains to be seen, but the fact that agents are now involved, I do think changes some things, and I'll be curious to see what it means going forward. I would also say, in terms of another thing that I noticed over the last couple weeks, and I'm kind of just jumping around here, guys. I hope you know I'm just kind of spitballing things that I've noticed. I want to give credit. Credit to the athletes because I think they have been more responsible, more resourceful, and more respectful. And I didn't mean to be like the three R's. I feel like I'm a football coach. The three R's, resourceful, respectful, responsible. But how they're handling this is so mature. And I, I think sometimes, and I fall into this trap, I'm not perfect. Oh, they're, they're young, they're kids, they're going to get a bunch of money, they're going to go crazy, it's going to be keg party after keg party. They're, uh, Alabama's football team's not going to be able to show up because they're all going to be hung over because they threw a rager the day before. And then you see what actually happens. And the first night of name, image, likeness, Spencer Rattler, the quarterback at Oklahoma, comes out and says, look, yeah, this is a great era. It's a great time. But guess what? I plan on donating a portion of all my name, image, likeness, all my endorsement money to charity. Derek King, the quarterback at Miami, has signed two, three local endorsement deals. We're talking, you know, couple twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars. We're not talking about life-changing money. And he said, look, this is no different than the NFL. If I'm making money, I'm going to take care of my offensive line. I'm going to make sure the guys that are protecting me are taken well care of. And so if, you know, if, if they are not as involved, uh, I'm going to make sure that they get taken care of. Anaya Smith, uh, a star skill position player at Texas A&M in football, he said, anything that I get, I'm splitting with the locker room. Now, I don't know how he's going to split a couple hundred bucks between 85, 100 guys, but I've been so impressed with the resourcefulness and the responsibility of these college athletes in, in the decisions they're making and how they're spending their money, how they're spreading their money around. I thought it was really, really, really cool. I would finally add, look, a couple of different things. One, 
Are there going to be long-term ramifications that we do not see yet? Yes, of course. I think there will be. I think there's no doubt about it. How could there not be? The biggest one that I'm concerned, and a couple of you actually reached out to me and asked me about this the other day when I did my last episode. And so thank you for listening. I appreciate it. But What does it mean for the non-revenue sports? Now, it's nice for the LSU gymnast that has a million followers on Instagram, but what about the sports that don't make money for their schools? Uh, Softball, uh, you know, track and field, volleyball, wrestling, golf, tennis, whatever. And I do think that is an unintended consequence. And I'm curious to see what happens, especially on the local level, with a lot of these schools. So, as an example, if I'm Aaron Torres and I own a pizza dealership uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska, I might say, hey, you know, Aaron Torres Pizza is the official pizza of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And at that point, I'm paying the school, you know, a couple hundred thousand or whatever it is to be the official pizza sponsor of Nebraska. Well, what happens in three, four, five years if I realize, hey, instead of paying the school 500000 I can pay the starting quarterback 80000 he can post on Instagram, and I'm getting the same return on investment. How does that affect athletic departments? How does that affect non-revenue sports where, I've said it before and I'll say it again, some of those local sponsorships, some of those sponsorships that we don't even think of, you're at the game, you're at Rupp Arena, you're at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, you're at... Um, you know, the swamp, you're wherever, and they say, hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the whatever, this free throw shooting contest is sponsored by Papa John's. Well, that Papa John's money, uh, it might not mean much to, to uh, you know, uh, when you think about it when you're in the arena, but that Papa John's money might provide money for, or funding for the entire tennis team for the entire year. What happens if that money gets taken away? What if it goes to the local athletes? What happens if it goes directly to the players? That is something to consider. And then I'm just curious to see how this evolves in general. I don't know how it can't eventually become a pay-for-play thing. The NCAA says they don't want it to become a pay-for-play thing. Unless we get federal oversight, I don't see any way in which it won't be eventually. But as I said overall, I thought the last couple days were good for college sports. I thought they were interesting. And let me add one final thing. Is that I do believe that while this feels like a landscape changing day in many ways, and in many ways it is, like I said, it is a historic day. It is a day that we will remember forever. I would also take it a step further and say, I really don't think it, it changes the paradigm of college athletics as we know it. Let me give you an example. On Sunday, or on, yeah, it was Sunday, it was July 4th, it was the holiday. The number one high school football player in America, JT Tuimamulo, uh, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, JT, and you're a listener to the podcast, but he's a defensive end from Washington State. He was the best player in the high school class of 2021, and he basically pushed back his decision into the summer because he basically said, look, I wasn't able to visit any of these campuses, and so I am going to wait to commit until I can actually visit so I know where I'm going to spend the next three or four years of my college experience. So he is a high school senior. He already graduated, number one player in the country, and he did not commit to a school. He did not sign in February with everybody else. He wanted to take his visits. He's from Washington. Uh, He was down to Washington, Oregon, uh, one other Pac-12 school, maybe USC, and Ohio State, and on Sunday, he chose Ohio State. Now, you guys know I don't normally talk football recruiting on this show, but when I saw him commit to Ohio State, remember, this is a defensive end from the state of Washington. You know what it made me realize? Even in the name, image, likeness era, college athletics and recruiting isn't going to change all that much. Now, look, are there going to be families that just take the highest bid regardless of of what the school is? Yes. And if, let's just say, hypothetically, Mississippi State football can, is going to offer, you know, three times the, the, mar- the, the asking price or, you know, three times what, uh, you know, uh, Ohio State or, or Clemson or Alabama is going to do, 
then yeah, there's going to be families that take the highest whatever. But what I would also say is I think the commitment of this kid, JT Tui Malolo, so I'm sorry, Tui Maluau. I think it's Tui Maluau. Tui Maluau. What it says to me is at the end of the day, the best programs are still going to get the best players. And you know why? Because I think most families are smart enough to know that it's not about making 50 or 100K when you're a, a 18-year-old on a college campus. It's about signing that, you know, in the NFL, that $100 million deal or in the NBA, potentially a $200 million deal the way that Anthony Davis, James Harden, Chris Paul get paid 200, you know, they get paid $40 million a year. And so I still think at the end of the day, while the name image likeness stuff is good, I don't think it really changes the landscape of college athletics all that much. I think most great high school basketball players, if they come to college, and I think they will with this name image likeness era, I think they're going to realize, you know what? I'm still going to go to Kentucky. I'm still going to go to Gonzaga. I'm still going to go to Michigan. I'm still going to go to Duke because those are the places that are best going to prepare me for the NBA, best prepare me to get to the NBA and succeed, and best prepare me to make that life-changing money. I'm not going to make life-changing money on a college campus. And I think it's the same in, in football where you see a kid from Washington State go to Ohio State. And I know that it's new. The name image likeness stuff is new. And I know that name image likeness really probably didn't have too much impact on his particular decision. But what I am telling you is I just look at it and I say, look, I still think at the end of the day, these kids are going to pick the schools that are going to best position them to get to the pros, make the most money in the pros. And I still think for at least a few years here, if you're a good player, it's basically going to come down to Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, maybe a Texas A&M, maybe a Texas, maybe a USC, whatever. But I don't think that all of a sudden, you know, if Mississippi State rallies their boosters or if, um, you know, uh, Washington State basketball rallies their boosters, like I don't think Washington State's going to just outbid, uh, you know, Kentucky and Duke and whatever. I, I still think at the end of the day, most of the best players are going to choose the place that best prepares them. I still think it's going to be Kentucky and Duke and Gonzaga and basketball, Kansas, North Carolina, whatever, Arizona. And I think in football, it's going to be Texas, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Florida, whatever. All the same schools that have basically been recruiting great forever. I don't think it really changes that much. So yeah, great first couple days in name, image, likeness era. What I want to do now, take a quick, quick, quick break. I will come back and I want to talk Mega news, Kofi Coburn, second team All-American, is in the transfer portal. Huge news, mega news. I want to talk about it, where he might end up. That is coming up. All right, everybody, I am back. Uh, and I do want to switch gears. I do want to talk about the mega, mega, mega news that came out of this week as Kofi Coburn, second team All-American, is officially in the transfer portal. He played at Illinois, uh, and there's good, there's real talk that he may end up at Kentucky, and from what I've heard, uh, that may be the case. We're going to get to that in a minute. Before I do, though, a lot of you have asked me, like, why is all of this crazy transfer stuff happening right now? And what I can tell you is, it's really kind of a perfect confluence of events that has led to more transfer portal insanity here right around July 1st. And it's funny, I'll tell you a quick funny side story, but about you know, two, two and a half, three weeks ago, I'm talking to a buddy of mine who is a Division One assistant basketball coach at a super marquee school. Uh, we're talking power five, power six, whatever term you use, and a school that is really aggressive in the portal. I'm not going to name the school, but you kind of know what schools I'm, uh, you know, I'm talking about. LSU is aggressive in the portal. Texas is aggressive in the portal. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma with Porter Mosier, Kentucky, Arkansas, Georgia. I mean, you know what programs have been aggressive in the portal this offseason. And so I was talking to him. And I said, so 
as we get closer to that NBA draft deadline, do you think we're going to get some more craziness in the portal? And he was kind of like, eh, I don't really know. And, you know, our roster's kind of set. We're not really looking to upgrade anyway. So I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think the portal's going to get too crazy. Uh, yeah, he was wrong. As the last couple days, the portal has been insane. A bunch of marquee players entered. And really, it's because of a perfect confluence of events. And I want to explain this because a lot of you have asked me, like, why is all this craziness happening around July 1st? And it is basically a perfect confluence of a once-in-a-lifetime group of events that has all happened that uh, has created this insanity in the transfer portal. The first thing, we know about the one-time transfer rule, where you don't have to sit out if you're transferring this season. What a lot of people don't know, however, is that the NCAA actually put in a rule that you had to have your name in the transfer portal by July 1st to be eligible to transfer and play right away next year. The NCAA's reasoning is actually pretty sound. It's like, hey, they told the student-athletes, look, we will give you the one-time transfer, but we, you can't be just transferring whenever you want and completely screwing over your team in the process. You can't have coaches, uh, you know, a day before the season starts, their starting point guard says, I'm mad at coach and I'm deciding to transfer. And so basically the NCAA said, look, we will give you until July 1st. If you transfer after July 1st, you're going to have to sit out next season uh, unless you're a grad transfer, whatever. So that is the first reason, is every player that wanted to potentially transfer or at least consider the possibility of transferring had to get, in the na get their name in the portal by July 1st. The second thing, the NBA draft deadline this year is on July 7th, which is obviously later this week. And that is obscenely late considering, remember, the NBA season started way later this year, which means that the playoffs are going way later. We know that the NBA playoffs are usually done by the middle of June, which means that the draft is by the end of June, which means that normally players have to withdraw from the NBA draft by right around Memorial Day if they want to be eligible to play college basketball next year. Well, this year, they don't have to withdraw until July 7th because the draft isn't until the middle or end of August. And so you have the combination of a July 1st deadline to get your name in the portal if you want to transfer and a bunch of players who are testing the NBA draft water saying you know what I might not get drafted I might want to come back to college basketball next year so I'm going to come back to college basketball and if I come back I want the option to transfer so I got to get my butt in the portal the third thing which I think is really important name image likeness we just talked about it for 20 minutes off the top of the show but there are a lot of players that I think two three years ago they would say screw it man I'll go sign a two-way contract, go play in the G League for a couple years and hope that I can get to the NBA. But now you look at what is happening in the college landscape, and I think there's a lot of players that whose names are in the transfer portal who are sitting there saying, wait a second now, I could sign for a couple hundred thousand and go to the G League, or I could come back to college and maybe make not quite as much, but hey, I'll be playing in front of 20,000 at Rupp Arena. I'll be playing in front of 18,000 at Fog Allen Fieldhouse or Cameron Indoor or the Dean Dome. And I can make money? That's not that bad. And so because of it, we ha over the last couple days, we've seen a new wave of players enter the portal. So over the last couple days, we saw Alabama's leading scorer, Jaden Shackelford, enter his name in the portal. I'm a little confused by that one. That's another conversation for another day. We have seen Dawson Garcia, McDonald's All-American, played at Marquette last year, entered his name in the transfer portal. Marcus Carr entered his name in the transfer portal. Now, those guys could still end up going pro, but they have put their names in the transfer portal just in case. And on Thursday afternoon, I would argue the single biggest player this entire offseason, if I was when I say biggest, I mean metaphorically and literally, the single biggest player, the single biggest impact player who has his name in the draft 
put his name also in the portal. And my goodness, is this huge. As Kofi Coburn, six foot eleven, I don't know what he is, 280, just a rock of a human being, massive, one of the best players in college basketball last year, did put his name in the transfer portal Thursday afternoon. Now it's important to note a few things. One, he obviously played at Illinois last year. If he decides to come back to college basketball, that option is, of course, open. He also may just end up staying in the NBA draft. We do not know. Again, he has until next, I guess it would be, what, Wednesday or Thursday, July 7th, to officially pull his name out of the draft. But Kofi Coburn is in the portal. And let me just tell you this. I've been covering college sports a long time. I think you can argue he is the single biggest player in the transfer portal era, the single most talented player in the transfer portal era to ever enter the transfer portal. That might sound like hyperbole, but let's just very quickly look at his resume. If you watched college basketball last year, you know how good he was. Second team All-American at Illinois. Remember, Illinois was one of the best teams in college basketball last year. They were good enough to win a national championship. He averaged almost 18 points, nine rebounds per game for one of the best teams in college basketball. They won the Big Ten tournament. They could have won the Big Ten regular season. If they didn't run into the Loyola Ramblers in the second round and Sister Jean, that was a team that was good enough to win a national championship. But Kofi Coburn played for them, and he was a star for them. He was their second best player, as I said, 18 points, nine and a half rebounds per game, second team All-American, first team All-Big Ten. So by any tangible measurement, he was one of the 10 best players in college basketball last year, and now he could be on the move. Naturally, I think most people would have a couple questions. The first one being, why is he coming back to college at all? If you're that good, why are you not going to the NBA? And I think the simple answer is anybody who has watched the guy play knows that, unfortunately, he is an incredibly talented player with a game that is from a different era. As I mentioned, six foot 11, seven feet, 280 pounds, whatever he is, he is a monster. But he is a true low post back to the basket center, which I would say, by the way, still has major value in college basketball. But in the NBA, those guys are slowly getting phased out. We've watched the playoffs. It's a guard-driven league. We've seen what happens when you have big guys on the perimeter that can't defend. You just get pick and roll to death. I'm thinking about Rudy Gobert with the Utah Jazz, but there are plenty of other examples of it. And so basically, Kofi Coburn, as great of a college basketball player he as he is, it doesn't necessarily translate to what the NBA wants right now. And so part of it is his draft stock just isn't very good right now, even though he's a great college basketball player. The second question you're probably asking, well, why is he going to leave Illinois? He was a second team All-American. They obviously know how to use him. He knows his teammates there. He knows his coaches there, all that stuff. And what I would also say is I think there's a couple logical reasons. The first one, I kind of think that he kind of understands that, that you know, he came with Io DeSumo. I know Io DeSumo got there a year before him, but they were built last year to win a national championship. He came back last year. Io DeSumo came back last year. And as soon as that happened, that was a team that was good enough to win a national championship. Io DeSumo, first team All-American. He won the Bob Cousy Award. I've had him on my podcast. Great kid. Love talking to Io DeSumo. But when he leaves, I think Kofi kind of looks at it and says, it's never going to get better at Illinois than it did what, than it did last year. My main guy, my All-American point guard, he's gone. And as good as the other pieces are, shout out Andre Curbelo. He's a very talented player. It's not going to be the same. 
I need to go ahead and consider another option as it pertains to college. I would also mention Illinois actually recruited a player to replace Kofi Coburn, not thinking there was any chance he could come back to college. And they signed a guy named Omar Payne, who played at Florida over the last couple of years to kind of fill that center spot. Illinois, good team, but it's going to be a different team. A lot of the guys that he had so much success with are not coming back, most notably Iota Sumu. They signed a guy to replace him. And then, oh, by the way, there is one other reason why he would consider leaving, and that's because the guy that recruited him, Orlando Antigua, left this offseason to go to the University of Kentucky. As a matter of fact, and if you follow my work, you probably already know, Illinois' top two assistants, Chin Coleman, Chicago guy, deep roots, great recruiter, was the main guy, I believe, that got Io DeSumo to Illinois, Adam Miller to Illinois, guys like that. Chin Coleman decides to go to Kentucky, Orlando Antigua decides to go to Kentucky, and Orlando Antigua was the guy who recruited Kofi Coburn out of New York, they're both New York guys, and so Kofi Coburn ends up at Illinois, and the guy that brought him there is no longer there. That, of course, also leads to a very important follow-up. Where is Kofi Coburn going to end up next? And, of course, as soon as he hit the portal, um, you know, the immediate speculation is, well, it's going to be Kentucky. It's got to be Kentucky. And I'll be honest, when I first saw it, I said, okay, I mean, I get the Orlando-Antigua, the parallel there. I mean, I, I get why you would make that connection, but Kentucky's got a lot of big guys already. They have six scholarship players. Oscar Shibway down low is basically um, 80% of Kofi Coburn, just a big monster down low. He's about six foot eight, six foot nine, whatever. He is a little bit smaller than Kofi Coburn. You have Keon Brooks, who is developing an outside game but isn't there yet. You have Lance Ware, who's a, 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 a four. You have Damian Collins, Bryce Hopkins, who are freshmen. Jacob Toppin, who's kind of a wing. But the front court is loaded. It doesn't make sense to consider Kentucky. But then I started texting people in college basketball. And as I just tweeted out in the middle of the, I said, look, I'm not telling you Kofi is definitively going to Kentucky, but what I am telling you is every single person that I texted, I texted a bunch of high major coaches, a bunch of coaches that recruit regularly in the transfer portal, and they all seem to think like, look, we're going to give him a call. We're going to try to get him, but I don't feel very good that he's going anywhere other than Kentucky. Every single person that I reached out to said like, we think he's going to Kentucky. He's on the record saying the reason he went to Illinois was because of Orlando Antigua, and now Orlando Antigua's at Kentucky. We have to put two and two together. And so it is a fascinating conversation. It is a fascinating, and to be clear, and I want to make this abundantly clear because I put out a tweet, it's, it's gotten some traction. I am not saying it's 100% a done deal. I am not saying it's definitely going to happen. I'm not saying that Kentucky is even necessarily going to recruit him. I think they will. I am just saying that when I talk to people in college basketball, they're like, well, how else could it be anyone other than Kentucky? And that is the buzz that I'm hearing right now. And again, I think you also have to consider the possibility that, oh, by the way, he might just consider staying in the NBA draft and going pro, but it does seem like he's at least considering other college options. Now, as far as Kentucky's concerned, really quick, I'll just say this. If they get Kofi Coburn, I mean, man, it's really hard to pick anyone other than Kentucky to, you know, at the top of the polls. Now, I have them about, I think, six or seven right now. I would probably move them up a spot or two. I would have to move Alabama down a spot after the Jaden Shackelford news of the last couple days. Um, but when I look at Kentucky, I already think they're about the sixth, seventh best team in the country. But you add Kofi Coburn to that team? Oh, my goodness. I mean, you could argue maybe UCLA's better, maybe Gonzaga's better. I mean, but Kofi Coburn versus Ch Chet Holmgren, no disrespect. I'm taking Kofi Coburn every time. And so if Kentucky somehow pulls this off 
I, I mean, number one, number two in the. I, I mean, how can you put him below two, three in the country? I know Villanova returns a lot, but Kofi Coburn, eighteen and nine in the Big Ten last year. Now, it is worth mentioning, of course, the possibility that Kofi Coburn does, in fact, stay in the NBA draft. But as I've said a million times, we're going to get clarification on that soon as the deadline to withdraw from the NBA draft is coming up here July 7th, midnight Eastern time. So basically, within the next 36 hours, we will know if Kofi Coburn is, in fact, going to enter the NBA draft or if he will instead return to college. If he does return to college, I'm just telling you, I do think Kentucky's the favorite. I do think it's because of the ties with Orlando Antigua and Mercy. I'll be real. I don't know how he fits with Oscar Shibway. I don't know how he fits with Keon Brooks. But when you have an opportunity to bring in a second-team All-American who averaged 18-9 and in the Big Ten, you don't turn it down. Kofi Coburn would be maybe the preseason national player of the year if he decides to come back to college basketball wherever he ends up. Again, I don't know how all the pieces would fit at Kentucky, but to me, it does make sense. Final little piece of transfer news. And by the way, I don't think we're getting a Reggie Bush today. There's too much college hoops transfer news here in the middle of July. But as I'm recording here, Tuesday, Monday morning, Monday morning, I wasn't even going to release this episode until Tuesday, but I got to get it out now. One of the players that entered the portal that I just mentioned a minute ago at the last possible minute was Marcus Carr, just another super marquee player returning to college basketball. And say what you want about the one-time transfer rule. Say what you want about the extra year of eligibility, which allowed so many marquee players to come back to college basketball. Kellen Grady, the transfer that's going to Kentucky. Chris Likes, the transfer that's going to Arkansas. You go on and on and on down the list. So many really good players in college basketball are returning for for the extra year because of the one-time uh, exemption that allows an extra year of eligibility. And one of those guys is Marcus Carr. When I was doing transfer portal rankings at the beginning of the summer, I had Marcus Carr as the number one player in the transfer portal for most of the spring. Now, he would have been surpassed by Kofi Coburn, but he is a second-team Big uh, all Big Ten performer averaged 19 points, five assists per game at Minnesota last year, and he is one of these guys that has re-entered the transfer portal late in the process. He was gonna go pro. Everyone assumed that he was going pro, and then oh by the way, at the last possible minute, he decides, you know what? I'm not, I'm not gonna go pro. I'll come back to college and ball out for one more year. And so on Monday morning, I believe it was both John Rostein and Jeff Borzello kind of at the exact same time put out what is essentially Marcus Carr's final four. So keep in mind, Marcus Carr is not... Marcus Carr is not a player like Kofi Coburn that is still testing the waters. He has, for all intents and purposes, decided to return to college basketball. But on Monday morning, July 5th, Marcus Carr put out a list of his final four schools. How about this for a list? Kansas... Texas, Kentucky, and Louisville. Now, I know we got a lot of Kentucky fans that listen to this show, and you're sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, what if we get Marcus Carr? Well, keep in mind a couple things. One, you only got one scholarship left. And so whether it is Kofi Coburn, whether it is Jalen Duren, the, the, the five-star high school player that's going to reclassify, Marcus Carr, you can't have them all. And I'm just going to be honest, this to me really does feel like a little bit of what John Calipari calls a hat-on-the-table commitment, where a couple years ago, or recruitment I should say, where a couple years ago John Calipari started getting mad that kids that ultimately weren't seriously considering Kentucky were still keeping Kentucky in their final two, final three, final four, uh, because it looked cool to have Kentucky on the list, even though he knew and they knew that they were not going. 
And so it's an interesting conversation because I don't really believe that Marcus Carr is still seriously considering Kentucky. Could be completely wrong. Uh, you know, I got to look into this a little bit more. This is late breaking news as I record here. But I, to me, this feels like one of those where Kentucky was in early. It's cool to have Kentucky on the list. I don't think he is actually going to Kentucky. Same with Kansas. Uh, Kansas signed Remy Martin. Remy Martin is another one of those guys that is going to use his extra year of eligibility. And look, if Remy Martin decides at the last possible second to stay in the NBA draft, then yes, I could see Kansas. But if Remy Martin comes back to Kansas, I don't really see them being in the mix either. And so ultimately what I would just say very quickly on Marcus Carr, and I'm going to get out of here, we're going to skip the Reggie Bush stuff because it is Monday, July 5th, and we got stuff to do here, people. But what I would very simply say is this, is that at the end of the day, as soon as Marcus Carr returned to college, all the buzz that I heard was that he was going to end up at Texas Texas, of course, Chris Beard, I've talked about them a ton, but I have told you from day one hour, one minute one, when Chris Beard got that job, I said, I truly believe that Chris Beard is building a monster at Texas, and if he gets Marcus Carr, oh my goodness, because keep in mind, five marquee transfers on that team already this offseason, Timmy Allen, all Pac-12 guard, three big guys that are marquee players, Trey Mitchell averaged 18 and 9 at UMass last year, Dylan Disu 15 and 9 at Vanderbilt, he was the leading rebounder in the pack, in the SEC, excuse me, Christian Bishop, who started on Creighton's Sweet 16 team, all of those guys have gone to Texas on top of Devin Askew. They have a couple marquee returnees from last year's team that actually won the Big 12 uh, tournament, was a top three seed in the NCAA tournament, and you might add Marcus Carr. And I'll just tell you this. If Texas gets Marcus Carr, I'm just telling you, they're probably a preseason number one team, and this is definitively the best team that Chris Beard has ever coached in college basketball, which is insane to think about because Chris Beard, never forget, and I don't think he did, made the Final Four title game in 2019, 2018 made the Elite Eight. So you think about a coach that has made an Elite Eight, made two Elite Eights, frankly, made a Final Four, played for a national championship, and now he is going to have by far the most talented team that he has ever coached? Give me a break. So we will see what happens with Marcus Carr. To me, Texas is the overwhelming favorite, and if they get him, I mean, they vault into the top two, top three, top four conversation in college basketball, and I would wrap, and we'll talk more about this if Marcus Carr does ultimately end up at Texas. This is why Chris Beard took the Texas job. You don't leave a school where you played for a national championship unless you believe you can go to another school where you can compete for national championships annually. Now, traditionally, those schools are the Kentuckys. They are the North Carolinas. They are the Kansases. But Chris Beard has always viewed Texas as a sleeping giant, a program that he could build into the next Kentucky, the next Kansas, the next UNC, or maybe, probably more appropriately, the next Villanova, the next Gonzaga that really had no history that becomes a superpower. Obviously, Louisville is in the mix as well. And I do think like it's worth noting with Louisville, like they do have a gaping hole at point guard. He could step in right away, have an immediate impact there. And I think Louisville probably becomes about a top 25 team if he goes. But all, into, all I've heard is Texas, not saying that can't change, not saying it won't change, but in my opinion, they are the team to beat. So like I said, I was going to talk a little Reggie Bush returning the Heisman, but listen, that story is about five, six days old now. So let's just get out of here. Let's just get out of here uh, on Marcus Carr, on the craziness in the college basketball transfer portal. Before we do, I want to remind you, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres podcast, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app. 
Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, please make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you are following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. A reminder, we will do a show on Thursday with reaction to the NBA draft deadline. Then I am off next week. Go back, download all the old episodes so we keep the numbers up. But I appreciate your guys' support. It is what it should be a slow time of year. You guys continue to support me, and I genuinely appreciate it. Shout out to Torrent Craig, who has played in the NBA Finals, by the way. Torrent Craig, of course, is really Tory Craig. Shout out to Torrent Craig, NBA Finals Phoenix Suns. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. I will be back later this week. Love y'all. Have a great day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.